stories of walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Podcast. Welcome back to the PCOM Podcast. I'm Courtney Ellis. Really excited today to talk to Matt Becerra, who is our Director of Youth, Youth Director. How director do you of Youth Ministries. Director of Youth Ministries. It doesn't matter. Mostly he's awesome. And uh, he's been working here for quite a while, but he's also been raised here. And we're going to ask him some yep. questions about that as well. So Matt, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Enjoy, you know, people hearing my story. I think that's why I enjoy ministry. Um, I didn't have the most typical path here at the church. I was a part of definitely a minority, but um, enjoyed it, byproduct of this program. So I'm excited to hear this story. Something you should all know about Matt, if you have not met him in person, or if you've met him in person while he's wearing long pants, Matt has the steeple of the tattoo, the steeple of the church tattooed on his... Right, right, leg, right left, calf. Right calf. And when yep. Daryl and I were interviewing here, we met Matt, and he's like, well, I like this church so much it's tattooed on my body, so you guys going to come or what? <laughs> and we're like, well, that's a pretty good testimony to how great this church is. Yeah. I think it's just a constant reminder that we, we all find Jesus through different avenues, and it's important that people Jesus have put in my life, and this church saved me, and I would have been somewhere completely different if I hadn't got a random call from my grandma to come here in first grade. And, mm. you know, it was McDonald's and a donut that convinced me to come, but God can work through McDonald's whatever and donuts. Works, whatever yeah. That's the whole mission of youth ministry, right? Is yep. it's what works. Is it, is it an all-nighter? Is it in and out Burger? Is it surf camp? Like what works? Yeah, the, we're going to do that. The problem we've had is they all work, so <laughs> we're doing them all. <laughs> so, so how do you pick and choose? That's, yep. that's a good question. And we're going to dig into more of your story, but I want to hear first, what do you love to do? Ministry aside, what, what would yeah. we find you doing if you had a free open day? I am competitive at my core. I'm one of the, I would compete at being the most competitive person on the planet. Uh, I don't play games that I lose at. So I'm either practicing games at my friends play so I can beat them, um, play video games. I uh, just started a bowling league. So bowl pretty often, um, go to the driving range pretty often. Um, just anything I can really compete at. It's just something that was instilled with my family from a young age to, to be the best I can be. I know that's like a, can be a negative at some points in my life and I've had to grow in ways, but I think like my typical day off away from ministry um, starts out pretty n normal, talking with Jesus devotional. Um, I'm competitive in my knowledge of Jesus. I make it a competition. <laughs> be the best at Jesus. Um, you know, yeah. And it's just, you know, I want to, I want to have more than I had the day before. Um, and I think that's in all the things I compete at. I just want to be better at it than the day before. So I get frustrated at sports like golf where you can take like five steps forward and then 25 steps backwards. So, um, but it's a, a good challenge, especially when I can beat my friends that have been playing for, you know, 25 years. Um, that's always, a good day. It's a great day. It's a good day, great of day. course. Um, it's one of the only sports that I have seen, um, and bowling included, and probably why I gravitate towards bowl the, both of those, is that you can do something as good as the professionals can um, at any given moment. You know, 
my first birdie ever was a 90-foot birdie. No way. And so, you know, my friend comes to me and goes, Tiger Woods would have been happy to put that, in his prime, would have been happy to put that within five feet of the hole. You know, and you, you sink it. It's as best yeah. as he could have done on that specific shot. So um, enjoy competing. Just, no, but I, I don't think I realized how competitive you were um, because you kind of have this happy-go-lucky, like, you've all, you're always wearing a smile. We can we always say that we know when Matt's here because we can hear him laughing. Like, your laugh, like, echoes true. down the hallway of the church. But then you and I, I think it was the College Young Adults camping trip it a was, few years back. It was. You thought I was joking. I brought a Scrabble board, and you said, I'm going to beat you. And I was like, no, I'm pretty good at Scrabble. And you were like, no, I'm going to beat you. And yep. I'm thinking, you know, I know Matt's a really smart guy, but like, I have a master's degree in English. I do the New York Times crossword for fun. Like I'm going to beat him at Scrabble. And I believe that game you beat me by a hundred points. Close to it. Yeah. Right around there. It, it spawns out of my competitiveness that, uh, and one of my favorite things to do. And I think why I've excelled at this job so much too, is I love proving people wrong. Um, I don't have a degree. Um, I barely graduated high school. I am dyslexic. So Scrabble seemed like the perfect thing for me to get really good at so that people's jaws would drop. Um, and I would, you know, since 16, you know, I spent time, you know, Googling the two-letter words and ha- ha- what bingos are the easiest to make and got to remember those words. And, um, you know, the strategy behind it's not just knowing words, it's knowing where to put words and how to connect them. And, um, you know, I love, love when I beat someone at Scrabble that on paper should destroy me like yourself (laughs) and um you know just bring that talent out whenever I can is fun but it's just you know everything um you know and the reason I didn't graduate from high school with good grades or didn't do well in college when I went was that none of it interests me Um, when things interest me I I pour my whole heart into it yeah um so Scrabble is one of those where I saw some of the leaders uh, you know Jeff and Dave Crandall and um Cheryl Thompson, and they were all really good. And I was like, I'm going to beat them one day. And they said, that'll never happen. And then it did. <laughs> and then it did. We, we got a, a wall-hanging Scrabble board at the office now, and you and I were playing with Jeff Given, our director of the Awake Service, and I was just hoping for second. And I think you beat me by 200, and Jeff beat me by 100, and now we're taking a little break. <laughs> yep. yep, Jeff wanted a break after that one. Um, Too much public Jeff, humiliation for all of us. Jeff is one that him and I go back and forth and winning games Together, that's, I think, what blossomed our friendship because he was my leader at one point and not until recently we've become, like, actual friends and at overboard games and Scrabble and card games and everything So I'm like guessing that. for Jeff this is a study break. Like, he's now learning two- and three-letter words so that he can come back in. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. At some he's, point he's we're all just, just going to have to play Get some practice together. in. <laughs> games of chance. I want to play games of chance <laughs> with you guys now. We, we actually tend to not like those games because we can't control the exactly. outcome I, as much. I'm thinking that's my only shot at beating you guys. Yeah, we got to play a game of, like, Settlers or something because that's the one where I get frustrated. I'm like, I played it as perfect as I could and still lost. Still <laughs> melted down. It was so yep. sad. <laughs> So, Matt, you are in many ways a child of the church. Daryl and I have been here about five years, and you have us beat by how many? Oh, gosh. 1996. Wow. So what is that? I'm bad at math, too. It's so. a while back. Yeah, 23 years. <laughs> Between the two of us, we're not going to get that right. <laughs> yeah, 20, 1996. So 2019. 23. 23. Yeah, 23 years, go. yeah. So what brought you to the church back then? McDonald's and a donut. Tell us more yeah. about that story. So my grandmother had a divorce up in Huntington that, you know, she was trying to figure out how to, like, pick up her life afterwards. And she had three different options. She has three children. 
Um, she had option to move to Oregon. She had an option to move to Riverside or an option to stay, move down to Orange County. And she chose Orange County to be by us. And she was um, going to a gym. She was trying to figure out, you know, how do I keep my day busy? I'm not working anymore. I'm not married. What am I doing? She was at a gym called Curves. And a woman of this church who I don't know uh, invited her. She started coming and saw the children's program that was blossoming here. And ma massive here, Nancy Pearson at the time was running a brilliant, brilliant children's program. And she invited me to a Sunday. And believe it or not, I was the kid on Sunday morning that had to have my grandmother stay with me through service for you, like the you first- You had a shy phase. I oh, never would have guessed. Oh yeah, I had a shy phase for sure. Um, I'm actually less extroverted than people assume I am. And you know, had to have my grandmother there. And it wasn't me that ha ha like was pushing my grandmother to be out of the classroom with me. She had to go, I need to go to service now, Matt. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> and, um, Don't go. you know, the, the weekly thing was, yeah, well, um, they used to have a soda machine here. Um, my favorite soda at the time, and probably still to this day, I don't drink enough of it. I don't really drink soda at all, but it was Cactus Cooler. Yeah, Daryl's got a thing of it. Is that a uh, California kid thing? Because uh, Daryl's got a thing about I think it cooler. might have only been sold in California. Yeah, I've never seen it anywhere else. <laughs> and yeah, I hardly ever see it. Maybe Costco every now and then. And Cactus Cooler and uh, Maple Bar. And, you know, we used to have donuts here for a dollar and 50 cents for the soda. And so I'd get a dollar 50 for that was my allowance for going to church. And that's what it was for the longest time was just. You know, I'd sit there and, you know, hear what was going on, see the people, but I was just waiting for the donut and drink afterwards. Totally. Yeah. A little sugar high for Jesus. Yeah. And I mean, probably my majority of my elementary school time here at PCOM was that, you know, and, you know, Nancy knew who I was. I knew who Nancy was. Um, went to VBS a couple times because, you know, we got bigger meals for the bigger things we went to. So, you know, it was CPK <laughs> instead of a donut and, totally. you know, a drink. But um, went to a couple of those, but wasn't involved in many of the things like Kids Club or Christ Crew or any of that as a, as a kid. I love your, your word of the, you know, the donut got you here, the soda got you here, and then slowly you found Jesus here. And I think that's part of the philosophy behind our youth ministry department is what will get kids connected to Jesus. And it can be silly, it can be big, it can be small, but how can we do more of those things? Will you say a little bit about the philosophy behind our youth ministry department and why, what we do and why we do what we do? And, and I've been doing it for a while. I've been volunteering since 07, I think, um, going into my sophomore year of high school and we just do these things and not till recently have we put words to the philosophies we have which yeah. has been brilliant to be able to share those with people that yeah. haven't grown up here and because uh, it's just been the water you've been swimming in right you've been here for forever yeah and and we actually read a book um oh gosh greg finke or i think is his name um everyday missionary mm -hmm. uh, joining, jo jesus. joining jesus is an everyday missionary i um, mean he was talking about the steps and we run on that philosophy that, you know, the donut step is just as crucial to the Jesus step. Because yeah. if you don't take the donut step, you're never going to get to the Jesus step. So we have right. kids from all walks of life that come in. And we have used to have kids that were afraid, you know, I'm Jewish and I'm walking in or I'm Muslim. Yeah. And I'm walking in. I have zero faith and I'm walking in. And to walk in and expect, here's Jesus, take him now. 
you may do more damage than getting them to the Jesus step. Right. Accept Jesus and then we'll play dodgeball. Like, <laughs> that's not the way it works. No, play dodgeball and understand Jesus' love because you just drilled Nick Hunt in the face, who's one of our <laughs> leaders, and he came and gave you a hug afterwards anyway right. and said, good throw. <laughs> right. You know, y- you have to feel Jesus' love sometimes before you hear it, especially in today's culture where everyone has a concept of who Jesus is now. Yeah. We talk to our students who do, um, who ask the question, you know, how do I tell my friends about Jesus? And sometimes my response is, don't. Show them about Jesus first. Yeah. You know, you will have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. But oftentimes it's when they ask because a lot of your friends know who Jesus is and have a negative view of who Jesus is. Right. Or Christians are yep. fill in the blank. Christians have an agenda. Christians yeah. have, you know, just want me to accept Jesus and then they're going to get on with their lives. You know, I think the scariest part about ministry for myself and growing up wasn't telling people about Jesus. I was totally okay with that. It was when someone came to me afterwards and said, okay, I understand what you're saying, but now I want more. And now you're looped into diving in and walking life with a person where, you know, when I was being told about Christianity and being told about uh, evangelism, it was like, yeah, go tell the masses and people accept Jesus. But And then when, you're done. Then you're when, good. When reality came, it was like, well, get ready to live life then. Yeah. And, and diving more into the Bible, that's really what Jesus did and his disciples did. Right. So... Right. There's this, and Kirk Curlin talks about this with the Missional Pathways, it's life on life ministry. It's not drop it off and go home. It's not a one-time deal. It's it's living your life with integrity and love alongside other people for a long time. Yeah. And, there's, and there's room. You know, I used to, because I came to Christ through a very specific channel, and I came to Christ through people loving me for years while not deserving that love, and that showing me the love that Jesus had. And so I came to Christ through that. I wouldn't have seen a bumper sticker that said, you know, accept Jesus, or I wouldn't have, you know, flipped on Joel Olstein and accepted Jesus. But I have friends that have that, yeah. but they're, that's not the role I've been called into. Right, you right. You know, there are people that are the Billy Grahams of the world that will go speak. But even then, those people that do accept Jesus then have to find a community, then have right. to find the people where I live in, where I find people that, you know, are some are walking with Jesus, but like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Um, the reality is you can't because you're alone. Come right. join us. Right. Someone said you can't be a Christian alone just like you can't be married alone. Yeah. Like it's not possible, yeah. right? There's no, you need at least, you know, not just one other person. You need a whole community of yeah. people. And I, you know, I needed an army. Yeah. Say more about that. Tell me about that faith decision for you. How did you grow into that? Okay. I want Jesus for myself, not just donuts. Yeah. It, it started with a couple key people in my life. Um, the first one would probably be Brian Ong. Um, and it, it's funny because I, he, he can be an aggressive person. He can, he has a whole bunch of different things. People have labeled him over the years. Uh, but the thing for me is he loved me when I didn't deserve hmm. any of it. And I was a punk in junior high. I was into drugs. I was, you know, class clown, didn't care about people, didn't care about the way I made people feel, all those things. And he knew this. He saw me grow up here. He saw me on Sunday mornings getting in trouble and getting sent out of classes. And he goes, hmm, instead of avoiding me and being like, I'll just, maybe he won't come to my program. He goes, I'm going to take him surfing. Hmm. And he knew I was a competitive person. I'd um, been through their Club H2O program and uh, enjoyed surfing at the time. And 
um, you know, called my parents, um, asked them if he, he could pick me up. They said yes. He took a couple me and my friends out to go surfing. We surfed for hours, got breakfast burritos, bought us dinner, and I'm sitting there at the end of it as, what is this guy doing? Like, I, none of what I have shown him has made me deserve any of this. And I, I didn't realize at the time the impact it would have on my life, but looking back, being like, that was a key point in my steps towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was always very real uh, about faith. Um, he, he never sugarcoated faith. He said it'll be the toughest decision you ever make, but the best. You will, you will have times in your life where you want to run away from Jesus. Not everything will be as good as you're feeling right now. Most of the time it'll be worse. Look at, all, look at most of the disciples, and they died for what they believed in. Um, but also all the disciples would die for that choice. Right. Um, I would die for that choice. The rest of your leaders would die for that choice. And um, I was like, okay, I think I can hear this guy out. Yeah. You know, I, I think of the story um, in Acts where Paul's speaking to the Athenians, and I don't remember what translation. It might be the NRSV or, or the NIV, but um, it talks about Paul taking time to get to know them, um, reading about their sculptures and um, poems, and uh, listens into how religious they already are, and he sees, you know, an altar to an unknown God. He goes, mm-hmm. This is my end. Let me tell you about this unknown God the creator of the world, yeah. tells them about Jesus. And many people make fun of him. You know, oftentimes when I read the Bible and it was like, you know, the masses came to Jesus. I'm like, that's never going to be me. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I'm not the person sitting there talking to the crowd of 5,000 and, you know, baptized, you know, 2,000 of them. That's, that's not me. That'll probably never be me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the story, um, at the end of it, you know, it says few. And I'm like, ooh. I can yeah. deal with few. Yeah. Few become followers of Paul. <laughs> that sounds Paul. manageable. Yeah. yeah. And few become followers of Paul. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I gave Brian a shot before I ever gave Jesus a yeah. shot. And for our youth, and, you know, Brian's intention was always to get me to lean on Jesus. Brian and I don't talk as much as we used to, but he'll always be there. Mm. Um, but he led me to Jesus. He got me to trust him and then trust what he believes in yeah. and then showed me what that was. Right, right. That's, that's, that's such a beautiful way to describe it because I think we, we can tend to reduce it to, you know, just give him Jesus. Well, yes, but when you're 11 or when you're 16, what does that look like? That often looks like meeting someone who you connect with and you and your team of youth leaders and Dakota and living this life in front of them so they see this integrity and that you care about them regardless of how they're being because 16 year olds are going to be 16 year olds and 11 year olds are going to be 11 year olds and repeating this, you know, Jesus is real to me and eventually Jesus becoming real to them. Yeah. And just by, we are the church leaders and just, just by that, they understand that Jesus is a part of it. We don't need to tell them that. Right. Right. You know, they know, they know they're at church. They understand. Yeah, they, they, they understand. And yeah. we have events that are outside of church. You know, we had a yeah. kid last summer who just signed up for the all nighter and I'm super excited about it, but he came to pizza in the park where we just go yeah. to Flojo park and we bring a whole bunch of pizzas and lawn games and right. we just hang out. And he was a friend of a friend yeah. who just, Candle Flojo Park to hang out, throw the frisbee around, throw the football around, be competitive. He's a competitive kid, plays football, and um, his car had broken down the last week, and his dad had picked him up, 
and he sang bye to all of us. And he had never stepped foot in Pecom. He had never come to the church, never, never heard us speak about Jesus. And his dad goes, well, who are those guys? He goes, oh, those are my church leaders. I was like, well, it worked. Yeah. What, what we're doing was working. Yeah. Jesus was working in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you guys are really on the front lines of innovation and creativity when it comes to reaching not only teens, but I mean, we think about your program and talk about your program and say, how could we do that with the adults, with the families, with the retirees, you know, these, these ways of connecting people to each other that ultimately then connect them to Jesus, because it often is by connecting with each other that then we begin to connect with Jesus. It's, it's usually Absolutely. not Jesus in a vacuum. It's Jesus through community. And I think it's part of the reason Jesus invited his disciples into his ministry yeah. was that, you know, I will be with you, but not physically there. You are going to need to see me through people. Yeah, right. And we we get that wrong so often in the church. It becomes this Jesus and me personal relationship with God. Do you have a personal relationship with God? And it's not that that piece isn't important. You know, your faith still is your own, but do you come to it alone? You don't. Do you stick to it alone? You don't. And the reality for myself and where really where I had a struggle with my faith was that, you know, I felt so inadequate when talking about Jesus. I used to feel, I don't pray enough. I don't do this. I don't do that. And a lot of my leaders were like, well, it's not just you. Yeah. You know, I denied my first full-time position at PCOM two times because I was like, I'm not qualified. I don't do this. And one of my mentors smacks me on the back of the head and goes, well, it's not your ministry. It's Jesus. Join him, join him in what he's doing. Yeah. You know, right. he's calling you in. And if the th- they offered me a third time, if this isn't a sign from Jesus, I don't know if you're ever going to see a sign from Jesus <laughs> right. because this is it. The next step is skywriting, right? <laughs> yeah. Like start paying attention. And what was that first position? It was the associate director of youth ministries. Got it. So and you were you were Dakota. I was Dakota. Yeah. Um, and I, I had even done some interim stints where I was like, well, there's an end date. So even if I mess up really, really bad, you know, the church can recover because I'm only here for a little bit. <laughs> right. They can kick me out whenever they need to. It's fine. Yeah. And the, the church had even changed the rule so I could apply. Yeah. You know, they took off a bachelor's degree needed to preferred. Yeah. <laughs> and, right, right. you know, giving me the ability and... Um, you know, God, God grew me in many ways to be able to lead this group over that time. And the timing was perfect and in God's hands. Yeah. Um, What's it been like stepping from the associate director of youth ministries to the director? You've been in the director's chair for two years now. Uh, this is my third summer. So two and a half years. Two and a half years. Um, it felt like a smooth transition for myself. Yeah. Um, I have been all in, even as a volunteer. So I it was, is tattooed on your leg, yep. <laughs> lest even, we forget. Even as a volunteer, you know, when people are like, well, you're nervous to run ride? I was like, what do you mean? I, I've, I've done that before. The ski you know? trip that I've been on for 12 years? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, the first time we went to Brinehead, Utah, I was in charge of the bus and had to find it in the middle of the night and shorten a tank top in sub-zero degree weather, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I've I've done it before and it was good. I think the growing edge for myself and it was as the director, the, the biggest learning curve for myself and the biggest place where God has been growing me in these two and a half years is you don't have the ability to do it all. Right. You know, when I was a volunteer, 
I could do all of the relational ministry because I didn't have to plan a ride. I didn't have to be the point person for a lot of things. So it's now training leaders to be who I was. Right. And, you know, the reality that some of our kids come in the doors because Nick Hunt is there and it's not because of me. It's not, not anymore because I'm there. That's a glowing success into the way God has grown me into this position. Yeah. And I still have the kids that, you know, I meet with on a weekly basis or something like that, but it's fewer and far between than it used to be. Yeah. Is that, is that hard to start to give up some of that life on life? Daryl, Daryl talks about that. He was our volunteer youth director when I was a pastor back in Wisconsin and his, you know, when he wasn't working on his dissertation, he was spending time with the youth group and kind of the, the higher you rise in the ranks of a church, the more your time is administration or your time is programming. And is, that can be hard for people who went into ministry because they love that life-on-life ministry. Yeah, and I think if I came into the job wanting to fulfill my dreams and goals, it would have been different. Um, I think one of the coolest parts about my life and the way God has worked in my life is I've never actually interviewed for a job I didn't know I already had. <laughs> Everything has just fallen into my life. You lap. seem to be good at this. Would you like to do it? Yes, yeah, thank and, you. And God has really uh, called me well into places and given me reassurance. Um, you know, he speaks through the mentors I have, and I have some really good mentors. And, you know, coming into the job, it was God is doing something join him on that. Um, so God is doing something and it has been hard. Um, I, I would be lying if it wasn't, but it has been rewarding in a different way Hmm. to watch, um, all those joys I had as a volunteer for other people to be able to have those. Yeah. It's been brilliant. especially, um, because of our growth, we've had to reach out farther than people that have just been raised in our program. Yeah. So there are people that don't understand our youth program that get to feel that joy. Um, and so it's been really, really good in a different way for myself. And the nice part is I make my own schedule and <laughs> I can still go out and do hands-on relational ministry when I want to. Totally. <laughs> so totally. I'm clocking out so I can do other <laughs> Jesus-y things. Yeah. Yep. And the freedom that PCOM has given me to just do my job well has been so such a big blessing that while going to Forest Home and talking to my youth pastor friends, they don't have. Right. You know, the reality that, you know, when someone goes, where's Matt? In an office hour day and Daryl, my boss, goes, doing ministry? Yeah. Uh, Doing his job? Right. Wherever he is, that's where he needs to be. I have people, I have friends that clock in at nine in the morning and clock out at four and then they go to their evening event and that's their day. And I am sad that they're called into that type of ministry. And I'm glad that I'm not called into that type of ministry because that's not who I am. It's also not how, it's not how ministry works. You know, you can't tell a teenager with a crisis, like, sorry, this hour doesn't work for me. You know, like we can't, we can't tell someone who's in the hospital dying. Like that's so inconvenient. Like it would be so much better. You know, like you just... You uh, go I'm at, I'm and at you dinner do. right now. Can you please right, please wait right. thirty minutes? <laughs> and there always is that conversation to have about healthy boundaries, and that's one of the gifts of a bigger church. Is there are times where you can be off and Dakota can be on, or I can be off and Jackson can be on? You know, but there's also that reality that if your if your ministry day is nine to four, you're going to miss a lot, yeah. and you're also going to be sitting in your office sometimes where 
You just don't need to be there. And, and I see it in teachers sometimes, too, where, you know, I had teachers in high school where I'm like, how did you get to this point? Go through that school, do the credential program, and in that not realize you don't like kids. <laughs> right. You signed up for this. Yeah. You know, and, and signing up for ministry, it's not a job for me. It's a way of life. Yeah, it's a vocation. It, you yeah. know, it's, it's what I do. I work with youth. And the beautiful thing about this church, you know, uh, I did a six-year stint of coaching at Tribuco where Tribuco is now our second biggest school at PCOM because they let me go do another job that was ministry. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily part of PCOM's mission or PCOM's ministry strategy, but it filled me. It was where God was calling me to. And PCOM was like, sure, go yeah. for it. Do it. Do it. And we saw kids come to our program because yeah. they met you through coaching. And right? It's all S- the Still work to this of God. day, there are a bunch of coach mats. <laughs> when walking around and That's awesome. it is something that is just now known. Yeah. Um, it used to be like, why are they calling you coach Matt? And now it's just like, Oh, okay. They're soccer girls Yeah. or soccer guys. And right. Right. It just, it, they're, it's known. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really beautiful thing. And that, that piece of ministry, I think folks who do well in ministry have that understanding that it's, it's who you are. It's not what you do. And part of it is you never fully clock in, clock out. It's just, you, if you run into a youth at the grocery store, right? You're, yep. you're youth pastor, Matt. There's no two buts about it. A concert around the lake. You're youth right. pastor, Matt. Yeah, you know, you're exactly. With, Walking you're with your Trader friends, Joe's. but you know, you have a, you know, I saw a, a junior high girl that did not look like she was having a good day. And you know, 30 minutes of my concert was that. Yeah. And, um, that's the reality. But then, you know, in the beginning, I did have to learn, like, if I do that, then you need to take another day off. Right. And let's <laughs> talk about that, because that's the flip side, is is you are, in a sense, always on in ministry. Yep. But also, if you are always on, eventually you will burn out and die, right? Like, yep. we see people flame out in ministry all the time, because there's this sense you've never taken a break, you've never turned off your phone. So what does that piece look like for you when you live and work and a lot of your friends are youth volunteers and it's kind of all what you're swimming in. How do you, how do you rest and recover? How and when? It's, I think the way God has built me has helped me. Um, Where I find joys in life and where I find energy is in serving him. So, you know, I, I was sitting with, Jackson one time and he was like so I think one thing that could help you in taking time for yourself and resting would be like I know you go to like soccer games on Saturday and that's a a big amount of time to invest into that and you know I I thought for a second I was like hmm we are very different people <laughs> because that's actually something that gives me life. Right. You're doing that for fun. Yeah. I'm You'll doing that for fun. You'll see students there, but you also yes. want to be yeah, there. I, yeah. I, I see students there and I talk to the parents, but that's something that does give me life. It gets me to being able to do paperwork for us home right, because right. Um, that's what I enjoy doing. And, um, you know, there are times where, um, I just leave for part of the day. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you're I'm almost not. heading off on a little mini sabbatical. I am. Which and is good. Um, you know, the coaching thing in the middle of the day to go think about something completely different for a couple hours. Um, you know, I've, I go to the driving range a lot in the middle of the day. Um, pretty adamant about playing video games on my days off or just can focus on something mindless sometimes. Yeah, you know? decompress. Yeah, and um, but the, the reality is that it's an 
every week adventure yeah. on what that looks like. I think one of the things for someone without my personality is that there's not a schedule or something, you know. I used to envy my friends who would go to work and do the same thing every day and come home. There's a rhythm in that. Yeah. I do something different every single day. Yeah. And a majority of my job is figuring out what that is. Right. Right. And which student needs a needs yeah. you sitting in the stands this week and which student needs a parental call this week and yeah. right? It's different all the time. Not to mention sometimes you're in Utah or you're in Utah, San Diego or San Diego, Forest yeah. Home. We're everywhere and we work every year looks different. You know, when we come to our program planning meeting, everyone else looks at the youth staff and like, Well, what are your events? I'm like, well, we don't know yet. What do you mean you don't know? I was like, You're asking me in September to think of something in June? Right. <laughs> right. That's that's not how youth ministry I works. I don't know who has a choir concert. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who has a soccer game, right? Well, like, and, good and, luck. And I don't know if we're going to have the energy to go to the Angels game this year, or we're going to yeah. do this final Friday, or we're going to, you know, go do a piece in the park throughout the year, or, or um, even our small groups are, uh, we have small group series that right now, for the year, we only have September in the books. Right. Because that's what we have leadership for, and that's what we have energy for right yeah. now. And we've learned that doing program without leadership and energy is counterintuitive. You can do more harm Absolutely. without it. So we have to prepare accordingly in some that, sometimes that. And I think one thing people don't talk about while getting into ministry, one of the biggest skill sets is being able to think on your feet. Yeah. You can plan all you want, and that plan will never happen exactly the way you planned it. Right. Yeah. And I've seen... Car breaks down. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen both you and Dakota in the moment, like, okay, six more students showed up, and we don't have drivers, and you figure it out, or, right, the bus broke down, and you figure it out, and it is this constant, you guys are working without a net, you know? It's like the trapeze, and you're like, something's going to give, and you just, you roll with it, and I think the larger church could learn a lot from that spirit of creativity and innovation. And like, this isn't ideal or it's not what we had planned, but God's going to use it. Where is God in the midst of this new thing that's happened? And I I honestly believe, and I talk with my dad a lot about it. My dad comes from uh, Baptist roots and um, he's part of the baby booner generation. And he admits like where he was in his faith, he, he, you know, he wished it was something different. Hmm. Um, he went to programming. Um, you know, he went on Sunday mornings because that's what we did. Um, he watched. He clapped when people clapped. He raised his hands when people raised their hands. And he spectated. And not until way later in life did he find a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you invest too much into programming, that's what it turns into. Yeah. And you check all the boxes, but no one's life has been transformed. Yeah. yeah. I did all the things I needed to do. God, why didn't it work? And Jesus is sitting there being like, well, that's not what I did. Yeah. Like I gave you a roadmap. Right. You know, and you know, I do understand that you need time to learn. The disciples themselves need time to learn. You know, the children run up to him. The time's like, whoa, 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 back up kids. Yeah. Like this is Jesus. He's the king of kings. He's very serious. Lord of lords. He doesn't have time for you. Yeah. And she's like, whoa, whoa, I'm here for them. Like, right. This is the whole <laughs> point right here. You're, you're missing the point. And um, we are a relational first ministry yeah. where we build program based on the relational needs right. of our students. Yeah. And we're okay with cutting things if it doesn't meet those goals. Yeah. 
we, we have a mission at hand that Jesus has put for us, for the students of South County, and we go out and find programs to do that. Yeah. And it changes constantly. We have names for our programs, like Final Friday. The final Friday of the month, we go do something. Well, that could be something so different every single time. You yeah. Know, maybe it's board games at the church. Maybe it's, you know, we spend 700 bucks to go to an Angels game together. Yeah. It, it all looks different. Right. If you had one thing that you could ask for from the larger church in terms of how they can support the youth ministry, how they can uplift the youth ministry or pray for the youth ministry, what, what would that be? Interesting question. <laughs> what do you need from people 19 years old and above at become? Listen, hmm. there are not many places in the world that I see the joy of Jesus the energy and passion and fire for Jesus that the youth have. So often people want to come into the youth program and teach them what they're learning or to teach them what they know. Or here, I am, I have this much more experience than you, so let me do this. Um, or come volunteer for us or this and that. But the youth have so much to teach mm. the greater church. It, you know, I love the transformation that's already happening at PCOM in that way. Yeah. Um, our youth come in on Sunday morning to the awake service. And um, one of our students, Wyatt, um, who has special needs, comes in and, you know, is clapping and excited to worship. And the first couple of weeks, he'd get some glares looking back at him and um, from our congregation. And it was interrupting their service, but he was genuinely excited to come worship Jesus. Yeah. And... You know, a couple of weeks ago, he comes back and he's clapping. The same people turn around and go, oh, hey, Wyatt. Yeah. And there's a change. And the, the youth are the key. There's no mistake that Jesus called us to live a childlike faith. Yeah. Um, the, the youth have something special going on. And, you know, I often look back at my faith, especially going to Forest Home and seeing these students dedicate their lives to Jesus and the joy and excitement that they have, it's not replicated in my life as much as I want it to be. Yeah. I have to go relive those memories right. instead Sometimes, of finding reasons for to live like that today. Yeah, we, we age out of that excitement and that optimism and that hope and, and what a gift to be able to sit with it and, yeah. and minister alongside those teens. I, I get to feel that joy and love and innocence and... Um, you know, people people think ignorance is bad, but not knowing all the bad things of the world and just accepting... Innocence. Innocence is yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And just accepting what what's happening. And our students do that, you know. They, they go to schools where bullying is prevalent and, um, you know, suicide is prevalent and they are dealing with the worst conditions to be a kid in the world, but they're finding Jesus in it still. Hmm. And, you know, I think the greater church can learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good word, Matt. Yeah. So we're going to, if end... they want to give us more money, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Deal. Or throw you a bunch of awesome qualified volunteers or drivers. Yeah. I know you guys always need drivers. Yeah. If you have a driver's license and are over 25, 25, there are always events down. where they need drivers. And the, the cool thing is you guys always need more drivers because the program is booming. Yeah. 
You think you're having 50 kids for something, and then 63 show up, and you're like, we need more drivers. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if Shelby Next has been talked about in any of the podcasts. No, but we have a new church database that, yeah. we're, that we're working on. And it's let us track the amount of people that have walked through our doors, and it rolled out in youth first for us to track what youth were coming in the doors. And for a year, we've been doing it. So last July to this July, so I guess a little over a year, um, and we've had, between junior and high school, over 200 people walk through our doors into a program that never really did much outreach. Yeah. Um, the outreach was minimal, and um, I understand that it was never focused on numbers, um, but from an outside perspective, what it looked like for our Presbyterian church and a lot of the Presbyterian churches I see is the youth program spawns because the people don't want their kids in the service anymore, so let's put them somewhere. Right. And right. there's a youth program. <laughs> and for years, I mean, I I was, I started coming in 1996 in first, first grade, 96 or 97 in first grade. And I was an outsider because I didn't go to preschool here. My <laughs> parents didn't attend. Yeah. My grandma did, but my parents didn't attend. I didn't know the Bible verses because I, I didn't go to whatever preschool thing they went to. And... In high school, it was probably, you know, about 85, 90% kids of members of the church and 15, 10% not. Yeah. And I was part of that small group of people that didn't have that. And our youth program has flipped. We're yeah. probably 30, 70 with 30% of our kids have, having parents that are members of the church and 70 that maybe have their parents attend a church or maybe they're their spiritual leader in their family. They're the only people. We have some kids that um, are part of Muslim families and um, have accepted Christ. And, you know, it's it's different and exciting and really in that missional pathway where God is pushing our yeah. church to be and our youth program. It was funny going through some of the missional pathway. I'm like, oh, we, we do this. Yeah. We do a lot of this. Right. We're on this path. Yeah. It's frontline evangelism. And it's so it's so exciting to watch. It's so exciting to be even the small part of it that my office is down the hall from you guys. Um, so Matt, final question, which we end every podcast with. Okay. What is God teaching you lately, inside or outside of your ministry Ooh. here? So part of what God is teaching me is I am really good at talking about Jesus, sharing Jesus, showing Jesus' love to the places I think Jesus has called me to. So work or coaching or at another church or things that are surrounded around Jesus. What I've realized in this season is there are so many other places where I have the opportunity to be a light for God. Um, and the biggest one right now, I think I've known one of my friends for, oh gosh, we were 11 or 12, so 16 years probably. And I just had my first conversation about Jesus with him at 27. Mm. And, you know, I was like, okay, it didn't go as bad as I thought it went. I think it was actually good. Wow, God, is this some somewhere else you're calling me to? Yeah. And the reality that... You know, we have these different pockets that we have interactions with that we brush off as, oh, I'm already working for God in other places. Right. This is my time off. <laughs> this yeah. is my time off. And 
Jesus has been like, yeah, this is your time off from the kids that are throwing balls at the ceiling, <laughs> but not from working for me. Yeah. So you have a job where you work for me. Awesome. But no, no, no. You have a life where yeah. you work for me. Mm. And it has been a growing edge, especially in my family and in my friend group that I don't know from PCOM, I, that, you know, some have faiths, um, but to have conversations with people that I didn't think God was calling me to, but the reality is God had him right in front of my face for 16 years. Yeah. Sometimes we're slow learners that way. Yeah. <laughs> God's like yeah. on the 17th year, Matt, you're going to yeah. get it. And th- that was one of the quotes I enjoyed from the book I talked about earlier. Um, Greg talks about God knew I was a numbskull. He still knows I'm a numbskull and he knows I'm going to continue to be a numbskull. I'm like, I relate to that. And, you know, I think God's patience for me in this time of learning has been Mm. good too. Mm. And that God has so much more patience than I do. Yeah. It's such a good word. He loves me anyway. He's going to use me. It just might take a while. It's good. It's good. Well, thanks, Matt, for taking the time. I appreciate you giving me the hour, and uh, I'm excited to to continue learning and ministering alongside you in the days ahead. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Anyone that wants to come hang out with the youth, let me know. Yeah. What do they have to do? Do they have to sign something? Do they have to give something? They, like, they just have to contact me. <laughs> yeah. Contact me if they're interested in helping out with the youth program. I promise you, you will learn more than you teach those kids. It's so fun in there. And you you will bring you will have a joy that is beyond comprehension. Um, but yeah, just simple background checks and the, the normal stuff for working with youth. And um, we have some... If you can drive a car or throw a ball or listen to a teenager talk, yep. you can minister in the youth group. Yep. Amen. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Have a story you'd like to share at the PCOM podcast? Contact Pastor Courtney Ellis at Courtney.Ellis at mypcom.com. The PCOM podcast is a production of Presbyterian Church of the Master. Our web guru is Kevin Reimers. Original music by Jeff Given. Join us Sundays for worship at 9 and 10.45 a.m., where we tell the stories of what God is doing in our midst. Mm-hmm.